We're back for another edition of the Parkrun Adventurers, ready to break new ground in the number one Parkrun podcast in Australia. Welcome back to the podcast, Lyndall Murray. G'day, Scotty. Now, we're breaking new ground. We're going to have a third co-host this week. Can you guess who? Is it Fluffy, the emu from Nambour? No, no. But I'm glad you mentioned Fluffy. We have an update. For everyone who's concerned about Fluffy and Miffy, but you've got to wait to the end of the podcast. We'll get to that. I'll give you another guess. If it's not Good Fluffy, of yours. I'm guessing it's not Miffy either. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Ada Macy. Hi. Yeah, Lyndall and I go way back. Well, welcome. So we, we're trying the three-way host thing. Um, don't know how it'll go, but um, Ada, I'm, I'm reliably informed you're, you're quite hilarious. So I hope you'll um, add a lot to this episode. We might start with your story. So Ada Macy, who is Ada Macy? We don't really know who Ada Macy is. If I said to you, what is the most popular blog article and newsletter that Parkrun Australia has ever put out? Would you know the answer to that, either of you? Well, I'm guessing that if you're asking that today on this podcast when Ada is here, that it's probably the article that was written about Ada. It was. It was. So, Ada, you shared your story with the Parkrun audience. We're going back 12 months now. It's over 12 months. Um, the story of a transgender Parkrunner. And it captivated the Parkrun audience. People loved reading your story, loved hearing about your Parkrun experience. Did you know that first, Ada, that it's the most popular newsletter we've ever had? Yeah, no, I, I have an inside source who uh, may have told me that it was uh, the really popular, which was quite a surprise for me. But, like, I mean, it made a um, big difference in my life. I had people coming up and recognising me when I went to park runs and or I'd mention my name and I'd say, you know, I'm Ada. And they're like, oh, you that Ada that had the article in the newsletter. So that that was a sign that it had really reached a, quite a wide audience. A lot of people in my um, transgender communities as well read the article. So, it um it came back from a lot of different ways in a lot of different areas, and so you said that that surprised you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess we always see a lot of transgender news in the media. We're always talking about transgender people, um, and especially in athletics and sports, right? But um, to see positive article done about transgender participation in sports, and then to see such a a positive response to it. Just when I walked through the community, when I was talking to people, I had people uh, message me on Facebook that, um, that had read the article. You know, that I guess I wasn't uh, expecting the real world effect, just the way it would change going through going to Parkrun on a, on a weekly basis. So it was quite, quite positively surprising in, in, a, in a way I didn't expect. And then um, I was speaking to Ricky and she told me that um, – Ricky is the author who wrote that wonderful, wonderful story. Um, and I was speaking to her and she told me that it had been a, a really, really popular article and um, just it made me so happy to actually get a, a, such a positive article out there like that. So hopefully we can get see more stories like that in the future because they're not as common as they should be. So we'll, we'll talk about it. I'll address it from my perspective. So as the one who um, effectively published your story and wanted to share your story with the wider community. 
I got a lot of feedback, and I got it from yourself as well, Ada, but I got it from others, that this was kind of the first positive experience of transgender reporting in the sporting field and and maybe even a broader field than that. Um, Can you explain that? Yeah, look, as when you look at transgender people in sports, there is always discussion about the controversy and there's discussion about whether it's fair or whether it's unfair. And the sensationalist element about it, you know, draws people in. They want to, they want to sort of, uh, the media tries to generally create headlines that are contentious, right? But, you know, I mean, we're all parkrunners. We know what the parkrun community is like. Uh, and to have an article done from the community perspective that talked about the support that I got from the community and my transition through the community and my the my experience as a runner was was touched on but it wasn't the core element of the story the story was about my community and and that was yeah it's just really hard to find stories that are done like that so um I can't think of any others I would like to think that there are others out there but you know there's it's it's too easy I think for people to go to the contentious stuff so um, I know uh, Ricky uh, who contacted me and uh, did the interview that that article was based on she had some yeah I mean I think for a lot of people right um People aren't aware of how to touch on a lot of issues around transgender people and the right wording to use and the right communication, what you can say and what you can't say. But Ricky was quite upfront about wanting to listen to my preferences and approach it in a way that was respectful to me and to the broader community. And I think that really, really showed in that final result. So uh, I can't say enough good things about the um, about the whole process. It was just wonderful to see from from me as a member of the community and uh, a lot of the community came back to me with that as well it's fantastic to hear ada and of course you know we've sort of become friends by hanging out at park run together and um, i've just really enjoyed that experience of getting to know you um, as a person um, as a person first and foremost and not so much as a transgender runner or or any of those kinds of things but you were saying that people are sometimes a bit unsure what to say and what not to say um, is that something that you experience in your day-to-day life a lot? Um, and what would you say to people that are a bit unsure about what to say? Um, look, it's not something that I, I guess I don't deal with it too much in my day-to-day life anymore. Um, I've been transitioned now for a couple of years. So most of the people who I interact with on a day-to-day basis, it's just, you know, we've, we've been through the, the, the learning phase, right? Um, and when I go to when I go to talk to new people that haven't met me yet, haven't met me before, um, generally things are pretty pretty smooth. But I think that's because um, the way you're perceived as a transgender person in that early stage when you're early in transition, people don't know how to read you and they don't know how to gender you and they don't you, appearance wise you can be quite. Um, I guess out of the the typical binary male female expectations that people have, right? And and that creates a challenge for people. So when I was earlier 
in my transition when I was transitioning through uh, through the parkrun community, especially when I had to put on you know active wear, which you know it's a bit hard sometimes to be overly feminine when you're in uh, a running top and uh, not much you know you it's a bit of a challenge but I think the biggest thing there, um, people in the parkrun community, and they got it right, right? Even if they made mistakes, they didn't make a big deal out of it. They didn't go, oh, I'm so sorry, like, God, oh, please forgive me. It was just they acknowledged that they made the mistake um, and then that was that. They And they just tried. And that's the, that's the biggest thing you can do if you have a trans person in your life uh, is – just be willing to keep trying. If you get it wrong, um, they'll let you know, and they don't mind if if you're genuinely trying to get there. If you're genuinely trying to show respect for someone who's going through a transition, then that's that's the best you can do, right? And that's that's what the community gave me. So uh, in that way, it was it was really quite a positive thing. I think you know, like in a workplace environment, um, it can be a little bit more. People are a little bit more um, formal. I think it can so it can sometimes be hard to navigate that. Um, but in the parkrun community, it's very relaxed. People are there. People, there's a familiarity, right? That's it's a community. So even if you don't know the other people there, you kind of feel like you know them because you've got something in common with them, and that makes it easier to easier to navigate. So um, if people are a little bit, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, look, Parkrun is that kind of place where everybody belongs and and everybody can have a conversation with anybody. Um, you know, you just it becomes a place where it's really natural to just talk and, and just be with other runners and other, other people with, that are like-minded. So it's really nice that you've had that experience as well. And that's actually one thing. Um, you said like-minded there. That's actually been one of the really good things about Parkrun is that there's a lot of people in the parkrun community who who aren't the people in my usual circles. They're not the people that I would talk to in my day-to-day life. We wouldn't simply cross paths. So there is an opportunity to meet people that you don't normally get to meet, right, and have those discussions, even leaving, you know, transition and that side of it aside. You can talk to people that are part of your community because you share – you share running, you share Saturday morning, you share that uh, community in common. And that was really, um, I think, helped um, people feel more comfortable around me as well as me feel more comfortable around them. So um, it's one of the real positives of the parkrun community. Well, see, this makes me happy to hear, Ada. So what I want to know is that do you become identified as the transgender or has it got to a point where you're just Ada, the park runner, now? Um, so if I'm if I'm at my local park run, then I'm just Ada. You know, people um, people just know me as Ada now. Uh, well, I mean, I guess you know, like even through my transition, my name changed, but people still, I was still just the same person I or, or always was, right? But where it gets um, a little bit different is when I go to another park run that I haven't been to before. Um, I like talking and uh, I talk to anyone. And quite often I'll be talking to someone and, you know, I'll be, oh, hi, my name's Ada. And when they realize I'm transgender and my name's Ada, they'll go, oh, wait, wait, 
you're Ada. Is are you the person that they did the uh, the article on? And I'm like, yes, that's me. And I guess in those moments, I become Ada, the tra- the transgender runner. Um, but I try and make that not last, last very long because I like talking about anything and everything. So um, that's a good um, it's a good opening to get chatting to people. But after that, um, it, I pretty much just become Ada. Ada, I also remember um, at some point we were talking about how, um, you know, people had reached out to you on the back of that article as well. Um, other runners and other, you know, uh, parents of runners or or people who had identified as transgender and that you'd been able to just talk them through that a little bit and maybe offer some advice or support. Um, what's that been like for you? Uh, look... One of one of the moments that stands out to me, um, I had a lady. Uh, she's a park runner herself, and she was just going through, um, just going through her, the early stages of her transition. And she had read the article, and then she tracked me down on Facebook and sent me a message and told me her story. And then she actually came out to my park run so that we could meet. And we went and had coffee afterwards and we had a big chat and I met her partner and it was just a really positive experience to get that connection with someone who who shared my passion for running, um, but it also understood some of the unique experiences of transitioning in that space as well. So um, that was, from a personal level, that was quite um, quite empowering, but Right after the article came out, I had a lot of people reach out as well who, um, you know, I have pe- parents, as you said, who have uh, transgender uh, transgender children. Um, a couple of people reached out and said that seeing a positive um, mention of transgender people in the media. I had one one mother who reached out and said her daughter looked at the story and said, she's like me. Unlike her, and that was, yeah. I mean that. That's one of those things that makes it worth it, right? Like, I for me, visibility is something that um, visibility is very important. That's why I did the article. That's why I'm here because the the more visible trans people are in day to day life, as just regular people, then the easier it is for us to become just part of everyday life, not something not something different or unusual, but just regular people. And so for this kid who I've never met, I've just been told about this this child who was able to see a representation of themselves in the media and feel a bit of positivity from that and say, oh look, I'm like her. That's that's amazing to me. So um yeah. Yeah, come on, that's that's um that sort of lump in the throat sort of stuff, hearing it, Ada, that, that's really got to touch you. Yeah, oh, it, it does, right? Like, I mean, there. when I was a kid, I grew up in a small country town and I'm old enough that there was no internet available. So I had no knowledge of anything to do with transgender people. I had no knowledge no ability to reach out to talk about the stuff that was going on in my head. I had no answers. I had no clue what my future held because I didn't understand the things going on in my head. 
but to realize that uh, a transgender kid growing up today has a million opportunities and the ability to see themselves and see a future for themselves and see other transgender people out there just living life, I mean, that's such a, such a powerful thing. It is. Now, we said we were going to just include you as part of the podcast, so I also know another thing about you, Ada, and that you didn't go to Park Run this weekend. Oh, I know. So, I, you told me we you were going to bring that up. Oh, sorry, sorry, well, no, no. no. Oh, well, I brought it up now, so we can't take it back. But um, it's okay. It's okay. We'll we'll work with you through the rest of the episode. This is your replacement to Parkrun, talking Parkrun. Oh, good. Oh, good. This is how I make up for it. Yeah, well, let's, let's live vicariously through Lindall, who went to North Harbour Parkrun. Yes, I did, Scotty. Saturday. How was that? It was great. Give us an update on North, Har- North Harbour, because they've gone through some changes, I think. So North Harbour has, uh, well, the, they have got a little bit more infrastructure there. Um, we both went to the launch, Scotty, um, as did Mel. That's where I first met the two of you and look where we are today. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of things that are the same. It's still cross-country. There's still lots of cows. It's still in a beautiful spot along the Caboolture River. Um, they've got a little bit more infrastructure there. Um, and the housing development that's there is um, ever burgeoning. Um, I got some fun facts from the the run director on the weekend because, as you'll recall, Scotty, you turn up there to a park run called North Harbour and you expect to see boats. And there are no boats. There's not really a harbour there. It's Um, a cow paddock. It's a cow paddock. Uh, There's still no harbour there, but I did find out why it's called North Harbour. Back in the day, there used to be um, quite a lot of traffic on that part of the Caboolture River because that area, before it was a cow paddock, was a forestry area. And before it was a pine forest, it was a dairy farm. And before it was a dairy farm, it was a sugarcane plantation. And the harbour was there to transport all of the sugarcane and the rum, dare I say it, from that part of the world. So what used to be, you know, quite a little area of um, commerce and manufacturing um, is now a bunch of cows and cow poo in a paddock with park runners on a Saturday morning. There you go. So there you go. That's why it's called North Harbour. Um, By any chance, did it increase your P-index? as we talked about last week? No, it did not increase my P-index, Scotty. Can you detect a little bit of a... Uh, please explain <laughs> in my voice, Scotty. <laughs> I'm not very good, am I? Like, I, we made a pact last week and I went out and broke it, like, days later. Two days later. <laughs> I know. I know, shocking. Yeah, so I went, I went to Diamond Creek and increased my P-index to eight, which I'm really chuffed about. Nobody else cares about, but I'm really happy. But yeah, we were going to do it together and I went ahead and jumped it. And I could have done it on the weekend too. Oh, really? Yeah, I only won away. (laughs) (laughs) We really should talk more. The the history of Diamond Creek, you've done it for um, North Harbour. There are not diamonds in the creek and I'm not even sure how correct this is, but I think there's a story that um, Diamond Creek is named after a cow named Diamond, who got stuck in a creek. Yikes. That's a good story. I think. (laughs) Did Diamond make it out alive or is that her resting place? 
could be her resting place. There you go. Well, we had cows in common, at least, Scotty. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, the reason why I went to Diamond Creek is because it was pouring down with rain um, on Saturday morning. Diamond Creek is actually the closest park run to my front door as the crow flies. So, yeah, sorry. And I think we, I think Yvonne convinced me to go there to work on her P-Index as well. Yes. I My P-Index is only three. I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> Well, wait till you get to eight. And yeah, you'll know how I, impressive it is. I, well, eight is um, – that might be a long way off. Yeah, it's it's – you've got to play the long game if you're chasing your P-index. You, so, you know, you've got to just keep chipping away at it, I think. I am um, – I'm focused at the moment on – I'm on 94 volunteers and 132 park runs. So, I want to get to 100 volunteers and 150 park runs at the same time. And then I'll focus on my P-index. Sync it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is a thing. Some people like to focus, they like to sync up their their milestones, even though, what is it, 150? It's it's not It's really not a, a really, no. Over, I know, it's not a real one, but but it counts. But you know what it is? It's 250 times at parkruns, 250 times you've participated at parkruns. So really, you should be getting your green shirt. Yeah. Well, I, that's a good, really good point, that. Scotty. Very good point. Uh, if you can make that happen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so another 120 park runs to go then. All right, yeah. I can do that. Yep. Yeah, well, we're pretty close in numbers, Ada, around um, park runs. We're both on around that 130 mark, so. We'll have to do our 150th together. We will have to do that. We had a launch last week and our man Dave Moss, Mossy was there. He went out to Charlie's, was it Charlie's Creek? Out at Chinchilla? And he got us a roving report, so take it away, Mossy. And hello, we've just finished the Charlie's Creek Park Run, and I'm with... Adrian Royce from Wishart. Wishart, what are you doing all the way out in uh, Charleville? No, it isn't, we're Chinchilla. God. <laughs> yeah, Charlie's Creek reminds you of Charleville, doesn't it? Uh, well, we're out here for the inaugural run of uh, Charlie's Creek Park Run on a lovely blue sky day in Chinchilla. It is. It's perfect actually out here. And uh, what did you think of the course? Oh, look, it's, uh, it's a bit of a challenge, but uh, it's a lovely course right next to Charlie's Creek, uh, amazingly, hence the name, mm -hmm. uh, with a nice uh, hill over the railway. And uh, yeah, it's uh, a, bit, a bit windy, but um, uh, in the middle of town, I think it'll really take off. Yeah, the, the location's fantastic. It is, it's a very short walk from the middle of town. Uh, there is that hill, uh, two, two hills really, right in the middle of the, the course. Um, how, do you, how do you feel by the end? Well, I quite, quite enjoyed the course and uh, I, uh, as you know, I, I got first. first Congratulations, yeah. Adrian. And uh, um, I, I think it's one feature of this course, it's really well marked out. It's, you know, you cannot get lost at all. They've got red, uh, green arrows going out and red arrows coming back, and uh, that's just very clever. I've got to give a bit of kudos, actually, to the, uh, the, the people who organised this course. It is well marked. Uh, there were loads of marshals out there. It really was quite good. When you look at it on a map, it does look a little bit complex. When you're out there, it's fine. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, and well done to you, David, as well. 
uh, running running yeah, around thank, there. Uh, thank you, Adrian. <laughs> okay, thank you very much, young lad. Okay, and uh, we hope to see you down at Wishart. And congratulations on your 100th different uh, park run in Australia. A true, yeah. in, in Australia, a yeah. true park run adventure. I made three figures at last. And I should also say for any listener out there. Um, we had the longest park run in South Brisbane last week. Adrian was at the Wishart Park Run and welcomed everyone there with a good song. A, su <laughs> a superb, very well done. Nice rendition. If you come to our fifth anniversary, I'm going to rehash it. That was just a practice last week. It, it did superb. Thank you very much. Thanks, David. Okay. Okay, I'm now with the uh, run director, event director as well. Correct. And your name? Ronald Thompson. And what made you start up Parkrun out at uh, Chinchilla? Well, about three years ago, a group of us thought it'd be a great idea to get it going because uh, we're in the middle of the gas boom and lots of people around. And so I thought, let's, um, let's have a go at it. Um, and at that point, we had about 15 or so keen people. It wasn't quite so much support from council in those days. So fast forward three years and we've gone, same sort of keen 15 are still going and go, let's have another go. And um, four months down the track, here we are. So that's a very long gestation it period, is. isn't it? It three, is. Three years. And has, it been, has this pretty much the course you had from the word go? Yeah, pretty, pretty much the same course. We've made a few tweaks to it and that's the thing at Chinchilla is finding a place that you could actually do it safely. Uh, so it, it needed a bit of work in places and to be fair, most probably needs a bit more, but we've got good council support now. So um, yeah, it's great. Well, they seem to have put in quite a bit of gravel out there. Yeah, you so would have the, felt that today, I guess. However, it does look good. And once that's packed out, <laughs> I think that'll, that'll work out very well. Yeah. The other one is, uh, I mean, we're in the middle of winter at the moment, so it's a nice cool day. This is actually perfect. Yeah, it is. In summer, you've got lots of trees around the place. It, it's a great course in summer because it's 90% of it is shaded and you're running along next to the creek for quite a bit of it. So it is actually a, a good course to do in summer and springtime. But yeah, today is a good day. It's... Uh, you know, start at five degrees, will be 10 or so now, and it's a beautiful day. I'll also say for the uh, for our listeners, um, Charlie's Creek, when we think of the standard Australian creek, it's a little bit bigger than that. Yes, yeah, so Charlie's Creek is one of the tributaries into Condamine River system, so yeah, it, it always has water, and we're lucky because it's a little little town where, so it has water all the time, so yep. it's great. Yeah, no, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, this is really good because it is close to the, the middle of town, as I mentioned beforehand. So it's easy access, parking is great, you've got toilets right next to the start. Um, bit of a kid's playground up yeah, there. So there's, yeah, so there's, there's playground, there's, there's area, you know, it's safe for dogs as well to, you know, yep. when you arrive. And uh, yeah, look, it's a great, it's a great spot. I uh, thoroughly recommend it. I'm very glad that you actually did put this thing together as yeah. well. <laughs> and it was great to see so many volunteers out there. Yeah, look, it, uh, it was actually good today. We've, we've had about a dozen people saying uh, they'll, they'll do it. I guess we won't need to have as many marshals on course down the track, but it, uh, people just put their hand up, so and make the a, most of it. And like most park runs, we'll give it this, there seems to be a really good vibe there. I mean, yeah. this is the first course. Um, I don't know what you've got, 150 odd people? Yeah, I think uh, they just did 100, gone through 100 about um, 10 minutes ago and there's still a sort still. of walkers coming in. So, still. yeah, we've got, yeah, there's most probably in about 150, so it's good. It looks as though you've got a, a school schoolyard of kids yeah, yeah. in here as well. Yeah. No, yeah. look, beautifully done and uh, I think everyone will thank you very much and we wish you the best for the future. Very good, thank okay. you. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Rob. Okay, and I'm with Alan Nickelback. Alan, yes. welcome. This is this your very first park run? 
No. Oh. Second one. Where else? Where else have you been to? Um, here, but it was. Um, un oh, the practice un ones. Yeah, beforehand. the practice one beforehand. Yes. Okay. And what got you into uh, having a go at it? Um, my wife's in it, and I need to get fit. That's a common motivation is when the partner's doing something. <laughs> it's yes. good to get out there. That's right. And uh, you're local. You enjoyed it? Yes. And be back, and do you think, every week? or? Oh, every week that I can make it, yes. Oh, it'd be awesome. No, excellent. Look, it looks like a nice crowd of people. And the, I, the whole town's been good. Yes. Uh, I'm impressed how many people that we've got. It's a cold start to the day. Yes. It's hard, harder in winter than anything else. Mm. But no, it's, it's excellent. I'm yeah. very glad you're out there. Yeah. Uh, you're walking it or running? I'm just walking it at the moment. No, I think there'll be a lot of walkers. Yes. Which is absolutely brilliant. It's, yes, it really it is. is just good getting out there and getting the blood moving. Mm, it so is. I'll leave you on that. Thank you. Thank you. Great stuff. We listened to it this week. Um, so thanks very much. Uh, ladies, are we making plans to get to Charlie's Creek? It sounded like it was a, a hive of activity. Lots going on there on Saturday. It is a fair way away. I don't have plans yeah. currently. Yeah, I think it might be a while before I make it out there. So what are we saying? We're saying four hours, which is a bit of a stretch on it a is. Saturday morning from it's Brisbane. It's pretty much an overnighter, so that's that takes a bit more commitment than jumping in the car at 4am, doesn't it? It does. Now, we don't have any launches this week, but if you were listening to the podcast last week and you got all excited about Atherton's anniversary because we announced it, sorry to disappoint. It didn't happen because uh, that was an administrative error on our behalf. So if you head to Atherton this week, you can get cake. Yes, they, they are having their anniversary this week, along with Averley in WA, Cobram in the greater state, Victoria, Strathalbyn in South Australia, and Woiwoi in New South Wales. Now, also last week, we talked about Fluffy and Miffy. We've got good news to report. Yes, we do. So according to the Department of Environmental and Science, uh, who manage the reserve out there at Nambour, they said they do not intend to remove the emus. Which is great news. They've realised that most people who know the emus absolutely love them. Yep. Um, and they've been very popular at Nambour Park Run and um, they've known to pop up there all over the place and um, they don't bother the park runners and the park runners don't bother them. So, no. I mean, the, the reporting didn't mention it, but I think there was a bit of media pressure put on this situation by our podcast last week and I just think they succumbed, they grumbled. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe they realised that I need to get there to be the emu whisperer to do my other role. We, we we need to get there. Yes, we should arrange that, Ada. Yes, let's make it happen. Let's go and meet Fluffy and Miffy. Nice segue, uh, Lindell, to the other update. And I did warn everybody last week that we wouldn't get any interaction on this topic. We did get one, thanks to Hayley Louise, to save the day. She got her volunteering other while she was doing wearing her L-plates as a run director. So as a run director training shadowing experience. Which is a pretty, that's a pretty thumbs up way to get your other, I reckon. I have another story too. So that counts, right? That's two of us. Yes. Please share, Ada. So my other story, I went to, I went to Albert in Melbourne and I was recovering from surgery. So I wasn't allowed to run, but I was not going to miss park run, you know, like I did this week. So I 
reached out to them and I said, hey, I'd love to volunteer, but their roster was full. So they said, we'll, we'll find something for you to do. So I went down as another and I ended up doing a little bit of everything. I was a photographer. I helped with setup. I was on the final at the end. I was a marshal at the beginning. And it all just got wrapped up into other. So um, it's a lot, a lot of bits and pieces. I think that's a really good use of the other role because you don't want to turn away a volunteer. And um, even if your roster's full and you don't have a specific role, there's always something to do, isn't there? There's always something that comes in useful um, in any of these kinds of event situations. So I, um, I approve of that use of other as well. I made it quite clear that, um, that you know, I'm, I'm from Queensland and I'm only down in, uh, in Melbourne for a little while, so I can't run and I really, really want to come to, the park, to Albert and do something. So, like, I'll do whatever you need me to do. So, they were, they were quite, quite uh, willing to, to find something for me. I think this is great, and we, I think we've said this on the podcast before, but if there are any event directors listening, never knock back an offer to volunteer. Even if your roster's full, find something, because you never know, that might be their, that person's first attempt at reaching out to volunteering, and they get knocked back, and then they may never try again. Um, but many hands, like it's always, we, we're discovering it a bit at juniors at the moment, because we have to put out a big call out from time to time because we need so many marshals and we get a great response. Um, so quite often we, we get more volunteers than we need, but I've never said no because we can always have an extra marshal. We can always have someone helping out at the finish line as you did, Ada. So that that's a plea to our event directors. If you're someone who likes to be involved in parkrun, um, I think that's something that we really need to, you know, like – Give people the chance to keep that up, you know, and if nothing else, they can stand around and chat to the other volunteers as moral support, right? Because there's a bit of a community there. The volunteers get the chance to talk and chat and build those connections that you don't always get to do when you're uh, when you're out on the course. So I think, um, I think, yeah, squeeze them in as much as you can. That's it. I mean, even if you just stand there and cheer for people. Exactly. Why not? <laughs> Maybe that's what I could do for my other. I could just cheer for people randomly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can really elevate it, Lyndall. Go to the um, $2 shop and buy a big foam hand and give out high fives with the foam hand. Yes. I've seen that. That's a big Chief success. Chief high-fiver. Yeah, yep. that's that's a good other role. But if you have a prop, it's hard to argue with. Like, so if you bring a prop, <laughs> like, they're not going to say, no, we're not going to do that. Okay. I've still got some more questions for Ada. Can can we can I ask yeah. you some more questions? Yeah, of course. Let's do that. I well, like, I'm saying yes to, on behalf of Ada, <laughs> but that's probably shouldn't be doing that, should I? <laughs> I like questions. I like talking. Ask away. Uh, so, Ada, you're going to head to park run this week. I am. I'll be uh, be at Kedron this week, my home park run. So, walking, okay. walking distance from home. So. I'll take the easy way out. Can you give us an update on how you're going physically as a runner and participating in park run as a runner and or a walker? How's that going as you transition? Well, it's been it's been a bit of a journey. Um, running for me um, was a way of clearing my headspace. You know, it, it helped me through some rough times before I transitioned while I was struggling with everything going on in my head. And I used running to, to really push through a lot of that. Um, but when you start 
taking hormone replacement as a transgender person and when you when you block the testosterone in your system it has very very real impacts you know so my athletic performance dropped um i started to slow down runs felt harder and my recovery took longer and that was a bit of a, a bit of a mental challenge actually because i had i had started to uh, take quite a quite a bit of, a bit of pride in my my running and my performance and my speed and chasing PBs and all those sorts of things. And as those as my time slowed down and I sort of fell further and further away from those PBs, I had to redirect um, what I was what I was getting out of my involvement with Parkrun and. Uh, I ended up, uh, I've been doing a bit more volunteering. Uh, so um, for the vision impaired uh, park runners, there's quite a few of them involved in Kedron um, that I've been helping out with. Um, and generally just trying to find a new um, vision that isn't just chasing PBs. Um, and then I had a gender confirmation surgery in August last year. And that involved me being sidelined from all physical activity for, for, I think it was about 10 weeks, so almost almost three months. And during that time, I lost a lot of my fitness. Um, and I haven't truly got my fitness back from, uh, from where it was before surgery because I've been going to park run every week, but a lot of my running outside of that has... Um, has slipped away. Uh, I'm not doing as much as I was. But the bug has bitten me again recently. So I've just, I went out and did um, a 5K and a 10K last weekend. Um, the weekend before last weekend. <laughs> um, and so I'm trying to get some of that lost fitness back. Um, now um, I'm, I'm starting to try and bring those times down again. And I know we're not meant to focus on times, but, you know, they, they are, um, I find from a personal level, it just gives me a next, another target to aim for. So my current goal is to get myself down to 27 minutes and um, we'll just see how long that takes me. And that will encourage me to get a bit of my fitness back as I go. So have you found, Ada, that um – if running has become, uh, you know, a bit harder physically, um, is that when you really started getting involved as a volunteer at Parkrun? Um, I was – I've been involved as a volunteer um, not from the beginning but pretty much from very early on um, because community itself is important. I know that sounds like a, uh, an easy thing to say but I really value community and – being involved in volunteering has always been an important part of uh, and part of my involvement with Parkrun. Um, whenever I find myself uh, doing a sport or an activity, I tend to involve get involved in volunteering and helping it uh, helping it be um, you know organised and coordinated. And I, I like to be a part of all aspects of it. Um, but what I did spend quite a bit more time doing. Um, when my fitness dropped off was finding those roles that let me run without 
you know, and I, whether I got a volunteer role or not, but something that would let me get out there on the track, but without having to worry about the time and my lost fitness, it could be about someone else's performance, it could be about someone else's experience. So I've done a lot more VI guiding um, since um, since I've lost my sort of old performance. And it's just a way of getting back to enjoying what the parkrun experience is about um, and which is about that community, connecting with other people and um, helping them, which in turn helps me. That's fantastic. And, you know, you say that community is an easy thing to say. I think there's a lot of runners that have joined parkrun and um, not expected to have that kind of connection to that group of people who, you know, were strangers and then become just a big part of your life um, because of that connection. So it's, I, I don't think anyone thinks that's a trite thing to say or, you know, a throwaway thing when it comes to Park One, to be honest. I yeah. think everybody <laughs> is pleasantly surprised at how community oriented park runners are yeah no and if i think back to before i joined park run for the first time uh i i was very very intimidated by it i put it off for quite a while and it was only when uh, a park run opened up i was living in chermside at the time and chermside park run opened up and that was right where i was running on a saturday morning anyway so that was really the the thing that got me past that intimidation factor. And so I guess, yeah, maybe it isn't as trite as, as – I just have a tendency to get involved uh, in volunteering, though, wherever I go. I can't help myself. And once I got past that initial wall, uh, I think it was inevitable that I was going to end up volunteering um, because I like – fostering community and being involved and building community up so so where to from here ada i know that you've also involved in a community radio station now presenting to the lgbti community a program there yes is this going to you're going to expand your role you're going to be a spokesperson or what's happening look uh, outside of the parkrun space um I'm doing a bit of roller derby as well at the moment um but the Within the LGBTI uh, space, and uh, I'm focusing a lot on transgender visibility. So I have been doing some talks. I've been involved in roundtables. I've spoken to um, other organisations about transitioning in the workplace and some of the considerations and realities for uh, for employees. And that has been quite. Um, quite a new experience for me but it's been really I've seen a lot of positive strong results from that so I definitely would like to keep uh, keep myself involved in those opportunities when they arise and as you said I'm involved with community radio as well so um, every week we're out there um, it's uh, specifically for an LGBTI audience as you said and again the whole point is to raise visibility and awareness and you know, the more I can do that, the better. Is that something that you think comes naturally to you, Ada, to, to get out there and be a spokesperson? Uh, look, I think I, I can. I think it does now. Before I transitioned, before you know, I don't think in my in my sort of previous life, if you will, I don't think. 
that it would have come naturally since transitioning and getting uh, that more uh, more comfortable in myself now. And I guess I've become even more extroverted, you could say. And when I've started to see the impact that it can have, um, I, like I remember the very first time I spoke to another person, another transgender person, and I was talking about my experiences and they were talking about their experiences and we just, we understood each other without having to to explain in detail. We just clicked and connected and that was an amazing moment when you realise, wow, I'm not alone. There is someone out there who understands this, who has been through it before. And I think those moments when I've realized I can create those moments for other people, I can allow other people to have those connections where they can realize that they're not alone. Um, that's sort of what drives me now. And I've got the opportunity to do that. And uh, I'm going to take every opportunity I can because it's really, really important. Yeah. What really struck me there, Ada, is that you use the words being comfortable in your skin. And that's it's, it's something that maybe people who aren't transgender maybe don't quite understand but if you don't mind I'd just like to share with the listeners and with Scotty um, the images that you posted recently on your Facebook profile of your your transition Mm -hmm. and there were pictures of you before you were Ada and pictures of you as Ada and it was something that I noticed and that others also commented on that there were so many more smiles in the photos of Ada. Yes. <laughs> um, it was really obvious and that really, for me, if you don't mind me saying, that was a real, um, you know, it was just such a blessing for me to see that, to actually see that transition in you, Ada. It was a really special experience for me. So, um, yeah, if you don't mind me sharing that, I just no, thought that might be a nice no, story that, for That would listeners. be great. No, I, I, I mean... You, as you say, you see the photos, right, and you see the change in me. Um, I remember one of the things really early on in my transition, um, I hadn't really changed much to look at um, physically or anything like that, but I was having a conversation with my mum and she said to me, I keep waiting for your transition to start. I keep wondering, when when are you actually going to change? When are, When is this going to start happening? She said, I don't wonder that anymore because I see how different you are. I see how you smile more now, how you're happier now, how you are more comfortable now. And she said, so this transition, this transition has been happening the whole time with, without me seeing it. So it's, it's already happened. And that was a huge thing um, to hear my mum say that because that was one of those moments where, like, I... Uh, I could see she got it right. She she finally understood what that was all about, and that um, that comfort is visible in those photos. You can see you can see me growing into myself. That must have been a very special moment for you with your mum. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my mum. When it, when when I came out to my mum, I knew without a doubt that I would be supported by her, but I th- I kind of thought. It would be the kind of support that you said, oh, mum, I may have done, I may have broken the law 
and your mum will be like, oh, that's not great, but I love you anyway, right? That's the sort of reaction that I, that I was expecting, right? Because we, we fear coming out to our family so much because we fear rejection. Uh, we fear that loss of, of family. And to get to the point where my mum was able to say that to me, to, to say that she could just see the change in my, my happiness and my comfort, you know, it told me that she understood what this was all about. She understood why this was important and why it, it was so important to me. And it was, yeah, just a magical moment for me. Ada, what has been the reaction to from family and friends? You know, has there been any negativity? Have there been people who have left your life? Um, look, I, I have – there have been a few people who were – not so much have left my life, but I've grown away from over, uh, you know, in, in the sort of time of my transition. Um, That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. yeah, you know, like I haven't faced anyone that has been really – overtly uh, reacting in a strong negative way but yeah just distance has formed in in a, in with in some relationships with some people but for the most part like all of my close family and friends have been hugely hugely supportive um my son was um really supportive of my transition and has been uh, a huge a huge support for me because he has been unflinching in his support of me. Um, and all my, my workplace was very supportive. My, uh, my friends were very supportive. My family was very supportive. My, uh, my grandmother was 99 when I came out to her and she was supportive. I was talking to her on the phone and she said to me, you know, in my head, I can't even see the boy anymore. All I can see is the girl. And I'm like, from a from a 99 year old, um, my 99 year old grandmother to hear to hear a comment like that, you know, it was like not something that I ever dared dream that would ever happen. Um, but I guess one thing is I, I'm lucky enough to sit on a pretty big pile of privilege compared to a lot of people because my experience is not the universal experience and it can sometimes turn out quite negative and people can lose friends and family and lose their their support networks. But um, thankfully for me, it's been a really positive experience. Yeah, well, that's and hopefully by you sharing your story, then that will have a flow-on effect that other people's experience will be more positive and less negative. Um, I want to bring it back to Parkrun a little bit. You're a um, you're a Parkrun adventurer. I've looked up your profile. You've been to a few different Parkruns. Have you uh, Have you got a top three? We haven't asked our guests for a top three for a long time. Ooh! So I'm going to ask for yours. Have you got a couple that have stood out? Ones that you've visited? Well, um, I'm going to say actually now that I think about it, there's a common theme here. Um, Narrabri, which is my old hometown in New South Wales. Um, it is a, a run around a lake. Well, sometimes it's a dry lake, sometimes it's a full lake, but um, it's just good to go back to my hometown and it's good to have a park run there and I love running around the lake. Um, Albert as well, um, same thing, running around a lake. Um, Albert, I just love Melbourne and uh, the chance to get down there and um, 
and run around the lake. And, it's pretty good. Yeah. So you'd, you'd agree with my statement of Victoria being the greatest state? Look, if it wasn't for the weather, I'd love, I'd love if we could pick, if we could pick <laughs> Melbourne up and move it to Queensland, we'd, it'd be perfect. But, yeah. Scotty, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, Ada's saying that Victoria is not the greatest state. I'm sorry. No, I, heard, I heard her say it was. <laughs> just there's one thing that's yeah, missing. Yeah, so. like, yeah, yeah, like it not being in the greatest state of Queensland. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh, and I have to come up with a third one, don't I? Um, and what would number three be? Um, um, Manipi, again, just for the – I've only done Manipi the one time, but it's also running around the lake. But I went there in the middle of winter and it was freezing cold and there was uh, mist and fog coming off the off the lagoon in the middle and it was just beautiful. Um I had to run to keep warm, but it was a beautiful, beautiful sight, and I'd love to get back there and do it again, but maybe in summer this time. I'm glad I'm glad I asked because, you know, Narrabri, I don't think we've ever talked about Narrabri on this podcast. I couldn't even tell you where Narrabri was, so it's great to hear. Yeah. Um, Northwest New South Wales, um, not a very big town, and the first, the first couple of times I went back there after the parkrun bug had bitten me, there was no parkrun. And I found myself in my hometown and I'm like, what am I going to do with my Saturday morning without a park run? So I did a 5K run, but it wasn't the same. But then they've had the park run going for a couple of years now. So um, every time I'm there, I go back and visit and say hi. Uh, Ada, I can't thank you enough for coming on and being our experimental third (laughs) host for this episode. I'm saying it's a success. I've loved having a chat to you for the past, uh, I think we've gone for almost an hour. Wow. I'm hearing your story, so thanks very much. Lyndall, thank you again. This could be the end. This could be it. I I had a quick, brief chat with Mel, and I think she's keen to come back. Righty guy. My sincerest thanks to you. I've loved um, having you fill in for Mel. You're welcome back any time. And I don't want to go too overboard because you might be back next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't 100% confirm Mel's coming back. You know, no. she's well, still got two kids and yeah, things it. change. That's it. Well, if that's the case, I'm in. And if it's not the case and Mel's back, well, thank you for having me. And, and But if you're busy, Lyndall, and this is how I want to wrap up this episode, uh, Ada, tell us about Ricky. Ricky, who you touched on her a bit earlier in the story. Yes. Um, I think she'd make a great yes for this podcast as well. So tell us, tell us about Ricky and the role that she played and how important that was as we say goodbye to episode 163. I'd love to see Ricky on here. Um, Ricky um, contacted me uh, and wrote the, uh, to write the article and we've been friends pretty much, chatted, uh, on and off ever since. Um, I can't say enough good things about her. I'd love to have her on here. Great. Um, but thank you. Thank you again, both of you. Uh, that wraps up this episode 163. We'll see you all next week. Bye-bye.